I've never done that ever. <laughs> right, it's recording now. We're going to do the exact like, same thing. Do you know what? At least we know it's going to be fine. That's okay. really embarrassing. It's all on there, so three, two, one. Turn out the lights, open the curtains. Go and do useful things you episode of Diversify. We've actually already done this intro, <laughs> but I realised at the end of it that I hadn't pressed record. Um, where are we, Kate? Uh, we're currently huddled underneath a tree at Hyde Park with our guest who had to cancel on us last week because she had to go and look after Emma Thompson. Dame Emma Thompson. Dame Emma Thompson, who did not get arrested at Oxford Circus. As part of the Extinction Rebellion protests. Hello, hello, Holly here. Well, we weren't kidding when we said DIY, were we? (laughs) This is just a quick interlude to reassure you that it won't be like this for the whole episode. We recorded a preliminary interview with Kay on location in Hyde Park during one of the final Extinction Rebellion rallies. But we also then sent her a bunch of questions and she sent us in a bunch of audio, which is much easier on the eardrums. <laughs> so you'll be hearing from a much calmer Kay throughout this episode. But first, let's return to the gale force winds of London Town. Hi, how's it going? Good. It's nice to be under a tree. <laughs> I hear that you haven't been sleeping in a tent for the last few weeks, but you have been heavily involved in the Extinction Rebellion movement. Honestly, I'm not sure that's committed enough. Yeah, (laughs) neither do I. I wasn't on the front lines getting arrested, and there are many that were, and really the big shout-out goes to those 1,000 and... I think it's 1,200 now, actually. 1,200 people got arrested. And an 82-year-old man from from the top of a train. climbed on top of a train. I was like, mate, if I can climb on top of a train when I'm 82. (laughs) I mean, if the world's still around when I'm 82. So for people who've only got little bits of information about Extinction Rebellion, can you just tell us how this started and what has happened in the last two mad weeks of your life? Yeah, how this started. I mean, I'm probably not the best person to answer that because it's actually been in process of organising for about a year and maybe a bit more. And the whole movement was initiated by Rising Up, which is a social movement who've been together for a couple of years now. So loads of people behind the scenes putting together all of the... We don't want to say the word branding, but all of the kind of artistic visuals and words, um, such as the what are now like the three very key demands, which um, have nicely been summed up as number one, tell the truth, number two, act now, number three, beyond politics. That's number one, tell the truth, number two, act now, and number three, beyond politics. And don't ever tell me I'm not useful. In terms of my involvement, yeah, I've had quite a funny journey. I started out as a photographer, really, capturing photos of their first few, um, well, their launch back in October and the first days of actions in November where the five bridges in London were blockaded and taken. 
and then I went and lived in Totnes for a bit and by accident found myself I just, down to Devon. <laughs> just thought I'd go down to Devon and by accident found myself coordinating the Totnes and local area to mobilise and take action so this is a community that I'd never really met before but somehow was then getting to know 200 people and mobilising them to take action during those November activities so that involved inducting people in the principles and values of Extinction Rebellion and um, being involved in trainings for non-violent direct action then moving back to London, my involvement in the last few months has been strategizing with others on how we can um, bring Extinction Rebellion or at least the emergency of climate change and ecological crisis to the arts and culture sector. Speaking of the emergency of climate change and ecological crisis, we asked Kay where we're headed if we don't change the way we view climate change pretty much now. Or yesterday, to be honest. Well, if we don't do anything, we are definitely going above three degrees of global temperature rise since the pre-industrial levels. There's about 1% chance of us actually meeting the Paris agreements that have outlined the necessity to stay below 1.5 degrees of temperature rise. Anything above that is catastrophic. It already is catastrophic for many countries. We just don't see that here in the UK. We're relatively privileged and protected from the worst impacts. Though saying that, we did suffer from a global food production decrease last year globally because of the heat waves that were experienced in the summer globally. We live in a globalised system whereby we rely on other countries to feed ourselves. So even within the next few years, with business as usual, even if we were to drastically reduce the amount of carbon emissions that we are releasing into the atmosphere, we are going to see knock-on effects to our food production possibilities and food prices are going to go skyrocketing as demand is going to be difficult to meet. This could lead to war, you know, that's where we could be heading soon. And that could lead to some kind of societal breakdown. As more ice melts, then we have less white surface that the sun can be bounced off and reflected off of. It means that there's more darker sea to actually absorb the sun's rays and the seas will heat their temperatures will increase. And as the sea's temperatures increase, more vapour is released, which is hot air. It's one kind of vicious circle that we are already heading towards and may well be within. There are many other tipping points that we're kind of waiting to occur, such as once we get to about four degrees global temperature rise, the Amazon rainforest would start to die back. It would just be too hot. And if the Amazon rainforest died back, not only would we lose the forest's cooling effect because forests normally absorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, so they wouldn't be able to do that. What would happen instead is that greenhouse gases would actually release themselves from the or burning trees and that would add to further warming setting off another vicious cycle so that is runaway climate change and that describes a dangerous situation that we could well be heading towards especially if nothing changes well that's pretty damning we all know that things like cutting out single-use plastics or <clears throat> going vegan are really good ways of reducing our carbon footprint. We asked Kay whether these small personal things would really make a difference, but also what the role of capitalism has in this whole palaver. 
Yeah, I mean, we can talk about small steps that individually we can make. You know, we can change our energy supply to something that comes from renewable green energy. We can consciously consume, i.e. getting a bus or a train instead of flying, walking or cycling instead of driving or buying an electric car. But at the end of the day, we live in an economic system which is all about economic growth. Quite simply, when we're talking about capitalist culture and capitalism as a model economy, we're talking about a market economy that requires increased sales in order to grow. Now, that means that we're encouraged to buy things and consume things more than we need and more than we consume. Just think about all the levels of production, all the levels of energy that are needed to produce the things that we consume, all the natural resources that are extracted or stripped from the earth for us to consume. So we're just emitting carbon But more than that, we're destroying parts of the world's ecosystem, the biodiversity that not only make this world the beautiful place that it is, but actually have an impact on our ability to survive in it too. As more insects are dying off and more bees, for example, are dying off, that has implication on our food systems. So we need to not be producing and consuming as much as we are. And again, that's an aspect of business as usual that just can't continue. It means completely reimagining your position in the world and reimagining your connectivity to the world and to others and to systems that you can see and believe need to be changed and you can place yourself in a position to make those changes possible or to work towards that change. To me, that's not giving anything up. That's making maybe a sacrifice of life as usual, business as usual, but the potential gains of that are incredible and beautiful. So, it's getting a little less depressing. (laughs) We asked Kay to tell us a little bit about her personal journey with the movement, the radical changes in mindset that that can create and how it can impact your life. We also asked her to comment on how hard that can be in modern society, one where we all have an iPhone and mostly you can get some kind of signal pretty much everywhere, even in Devon. I'm currently in a position in my life where I have given a lot of time and energy and my personal resources to Extinction Rebellion over the last six months. I think that level of engagement out of the desire for change in the face of what we're talking about requires what in Extinction Rebellion is called a regenerative culture. And to me, that is a culture that places one's well-being at centre in a way that our culture maybe, well, I don't believe has before. It's quite a radical um, culture, actually, when we talk about this regenerative culture, to really take care of oneself as well as taking care and whilst taking care of the world around you and taking care of others. I think that can be done from wherever you are. Um, The activity of Extinction Rebellion has been about making systems change. That's at the heart of it. It's recognising that business as usual is killing us and the world and other species. We have to remove ourselves from that mainstream culture. We have to reimagine what that culture is. That doesn't mean removing yourself from that culture because it needs all of us actually to look at it closely, to stop 
first of all. And that might require removing yourself from it so that you can see it from a greater bird's eye view. You can look at the patterns that make up all the systems that we do live within and say, okay, well, I can see clearly that that's not healthy, that's not working. How can I best skill myself up to go back into that system and work to make change? I'm in a really fortunate position where I, I've almost built up two homes for myself, one in London, where you could argue that the centre of systems in our country at least reside, and another home in Devon, which is a place for me where I really lie into a space of regenerative culture, where I really take care of myself and I just quite simply enjoy the landscape here, um, where I've got stretches of green and really loud bird song to the point where I'm like, my God, I can't sleep because of the noise of this bird song. And I've never experienced that before. But all of that is feeding me in a way that, you know, I'm, and I'm fortunate to be in a position where where I have built up another community for myself and that came about because of the work that I've been doing. But it's feeding me in a way that I can then really dedicate my time to going back to those networks and systems and relationships that I hold elsewhere and say, hey, let's really rethink everything because we can and the times are asking for us to imagine what has previously not been thought of as possible. And for me, that's come from, in the last two years, the opportunity to build a much deeper relationship to the natural world than I previously was able to because I lived in London for seven or eight years being in this sort of landscape outside of the city has enabled me to also come back into contact with my childlike curiosity and my slow rhythms. And I think both those things are really necessary, I think, to open up the imagination as to what can be possible. You know, it's easy to do that when you're not caught up in the game of survival of living in a city. A huge advocate of not making cities the centre of our industries and of our lives. And you asked a question about how can you reconcile maybe the desire to retreat whilst acknowledging that you are still completely wrapped up in the desire to have an iPhone, for example. These technologies are embedded within, let's not deny that. We can't blame ourselves or be so struck with guilt that we are embedded within the consumer culture that is around us. But you have choice as to how you use your iPhone. You have choices as to how you best work those systems to your benefit sure we could go into other conversations about the damage that might be being caused by so much technology in our lives to our mental health and perhaps even our health and so actually it might not be a bad idea to give up our iphones or to say you know at the weekends i'm switching off the lady talks some sense I, for one, reckon my mental health would improve greatly if I allowed myself even one full day a week to truly relax and switch off, let alone literally turning off my iPhone for, well, ever, basically. But that's because the lock button's broken and I'm not sure I could turn it back on. But enough about my first world problems, let's learn a little bit more about what Kay's doing artistically to spread the message of Extinction Rebellion far and wide. And yep, this is when we bring in Emma Thompson. Not the actual Emma Thompson, by the way. We don't have that kind of sway. But Kay did hang out with her, and we did see her from afar. So I've been with others leading on a campaign 
as part of Culture Declares Emergency, which officially launched on 3rd of April. And that's an invitation for artists and cultural organisations to declare climate and ecological emergency and for them to reframe what it might mean um, for themselves to operate within that space and how they can use their resources, their staff, um, what it means to be making art now in these times, how those organisations and artists can align themselves with pledges and demands that have been inspired by and are very much in alignment with Extinction Rebellion about telling the truth, about driving policy change so that by 2025 we're down to net carbon zero. I mean, my background is, as a theatre director is that I really believe that theatres and their spaces are spaces of community and, and are civic spaces. And so looking at how those spaces can also open up a political space for people to come together and talk about this subject matter and look at what action can then be taken within those particular communities. So my task has been just joining lots of dots up and bringing people together. And during Rebellion... Well, as part of Culture Declares, we had our first campaign, which was Letters to the Earth, which invited members of the public to submit their letters to the Earth. It can also be letters to those in power, to other species, to future generations, past generations, whatever anyone wanted to as a way of expressing their concern for the climate disaster and the emergency. And we had a thousand submissions within a few weeks. It was incredible. And we thought it would just be a response from the British public, but actually it was a global response. We had letters from South Africa, from New Zealand, from all parts of Europe, from America, and also venues then signing up from across the world to host presentations of those letters that we did on the 12th of April. So again, you know, that tipped into rebellion being the, the Friday before rebellion. And it's just been a phenomenal few weeks since that point, really. The momentum has been incredible. And those letters have been available for people to present across rebellion. There have been stages that I'm sure people have seen. We saw Emma Thompson read one you on did. Friday. She read one of the letters by Jackie Morris, um, author and illustrator. Yeah, it's been amazing, the, the submissions and the people that have wanted to voice them. You're actually going to get to hear Kate read one of the letters to the earth, dear Mr. Walnut Tree, at the end of this podcast. You lucky bucks. But before then, let's go back to that joyful, joyful, windy, windy park that I know you all love to listen to some more questions, general banter and awesomeness. That is Diversify Meets Extinction Rebellion. How have the police been? <laughs> because I was down there on Friday and I spoke to a few police officers and every question I asked was met with, well, I'm just doing my job. The subtext was, I don't want to be here and I also care about the planet. Mm-hmm. But I, I just wonder, has that been present throughout or have there been issues or have they generally been just doing their job? There have been no instances of violence on either side or of injury on either side. Within Extinction Rebellion, there is de-escalation training as well as non-violent direct action training. The police presence has been overwhelming. There's been huge numbers of police in the streets, but it's <coughs> always remained peaceful. Yeah. And let's remember that some of these police officers have been standing, or they were standing on Waterloo Bridge for hours in the heat, not able to take a break for food. And you just think, you know, let's give some love to those people who are doing their job, though it is also our right to be peacefully protesting. So I think that, you know, whether I'd call it a collaboration, I don't know, 
but you know the collaboration between the police and the protesters was unlike anything I think we've seen before. Yeah. Or the willingness to allow each side to do what they have to do. It's the sort of process that you can't really argue that it doesn't affect you, that it's a cause that you shouldn't care about. So I guess I yeah, guess climate change is made up, right? Oh yeah. I actually heard someone say that on Friday. Oh, really? Yeah. Because there was a protester stood there and someone was going, What's this protest about? It's about climate change and the tourists went, but you know climate change is not real. And she was like, how do you know that? Well, it's just my opinion. She just stared at him after that, and he walked off. Oh, oh, wow! <laughs> this is, is a change in action right now. A second ago, yeah. it was really sunny, and now it's cold and windy, cold and, windy. and the clouds are black. Um, yeah. I mean, so many protesters were chanting, we love you, we're doing this for your children. And there were instances of police dancing with protesters they got in trouble they got in trouble oh, for yeah. dancing didn't they but it's been the vibes have been so good yeah it's been an incredible display of not just peace but humanity of humanity of beauty of goodwill of generosity the greatest thing that i've witnessed and what's really touched me is the strangers that have just come together and the the friendships that have been made and yeah. people helping each other out if someone's listening and they want to get involved in some way to a small degree depending on their lifestyle and what they can give or to a larger degree what would you recommend for someone with a very busy life what can they start doing regarding extinction rebellion regarding extinction rebellion and just generally you know saving the planet yeah well i would encourage everyone to check out extinction rebellion's website because there's so much information on there the thing you were saying earlier about people thinking climate change is a lie or you know still in denial about it I think the problem there is that we just haven't really been talking about the truth at all, um, about the severity of the facts. And so what's great is Extinction Rebellion has all that information on their website. And I'd say that's the first place to go to, and then you can see a load of events that they've listed about activities happening in your local area. And you can even request for trainings to come to your area, so then you can meet your local community and have that training and form action groups. Great. Go vegan or cut down on meat. It's a good one, isn't it? And keep having conversations. And that's really just keep really learning. Important. Yeah. Well, isn't that a nice sentiment? Just keep talking. And speaking of keeping talking, repeat listeners of Diversify will know there are a couple of questions that we ask pretty much all of our guests. So stay tuned for those brilliant little tidbits. But first, I couldn't resist asking about all the haters who just like to hate on people coming together and trying to do some good. Spoil sports. Okay, so we have questions that we ask everyone that comes. Actually, can I ask one question? Yes. Um, what would you say to the people who are, there's a lot of them who are working for radio stations and TV stations, what would you say to people who go, yeah, but it's not doing anything and you're just disrupting and you're just a bunch of posh white people, uh, privileged people making a fuss and nothing will actually change. Well, things are changing because we're already in negotiations with those in power. So meetings are being arranged with Michael Gove 
and others. And secondly, those meetings wouldn't be happening if we didn't do that disruption in the first place. I wouldn't be here talking to you now if that disruption didn't happen. 1,200 people being arrested has made a significant difference. The, the what's called the Overton window on this subject matter has shifted. People are now talking about this in a way that they didn't before. So I think we can all thank those that are on the streets for where we are now. Good question. It's just everyone always asks it. And yeah. then the moment somebody's answering, they're like, yeah, but, and I'm like, ugh. No, you're right, you're right. There's a lot of interruption. Mm. Um, well, it's because it's not within the best interest of certain arms of the media to be on your side. Let's put yeah. it like that. Yeah, well, there's something to be said about the disruptions. I mean, people haven't wanted to cause disruption to people's lives, but the, the level of, of disruption that we will face if we don't keep climate change checked will be so much greater. Will be more like unimaginable. Yeah. Cool. So, um, the most important three questions. Um, what's your favourite Disney movie? Wow. <laughs> um, the Lion King. Oh. Why? Oh, the songs are amazing, and that opening is the opening scene, right? With Simba over. Oh, it's yeah. Just incredible. Exactly. It's beautiful. Nice. Perfect one for talking about this subject matter and you know, the circle of life and. And the, the relationship between the uh, between the father and, and son is just, yeah, it's really powerful. The grass. See? The and the hyenas. I love it. <laughs> Paraphrasing then. You're looking forward to the new, uh, I was going to say, not, I was going to say, um, like, real life Lion King, but it's not. The, the time <laughs> it really happened. The new Lion King. There's a new Lion King? Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah Beyonce's. Beyonce's no. Do you know what the amount what? of people like? So is this like an animated thing? Yeah, yeah. CGI. You know when they wow. made the, the yeah. Jungle Book, they're doing like the Lion King's coming out soon. Oh my and god! They're also doing Aladdin. Everybody who said their favourites are Lion King or Aladdin have been unaware that the Lion King wow. and Aladdin are coming back. Yeah, it's because we're diehard traditionalist fans. We like our like old school Disney's. Yeah, I don't like change. I don't like yeah. change. I don't like climate <laughs> I don't like change. Climate change. <laughs> Exactly. Um, what was the other one? When, if ever, do you turn off your activism? Um, when I go to bed. It's <laughs> a good answer. I don't think we need to respond We're to that. talking to somebody next Who? to a corner of Hyde Park where activism is taking place. 24-7, <laughs> even in your sleep. Well, I think that leaves us with our final question, and that is, in this world of despair and sort of shit everywhere we'd like to finish the podcast okay. <laughs> thank you we'd like to finish the podcast with just a bit of sunshine something positive mm. and just something that we can take away and think actually things aren't that bad and i can make a difference i guess a bit of sunshine is that you are talking to the government yeah and i think the sunshine is the power of people coming together i think that's amazing and i think people will take that forwards from these last two weeks that there is such strength and such courage and joy when people come together for such an important cause and you know people have talked about maybe the time isn't for hope right now the time is for courage and the courage to like meet the difficulty and make the adaptations that we need to because climate change is here it's coming it's not going anywhere we just need to adapt to it and mitigate the worst you can hear it all around us <laughs> right coming. now yep I great that's nice how often do so many thousands of people come together uh, non-violently? Yeah. Well, can you give us Twitter website for Extinction Rebellion? Yes. So for Extinction Rebellion, the website is. And we're all pretending not to shiver as well. I know. It's good.
https dot slash slash rebellion dot earth the uh, twitter spoken like a granny it's because there's no www so i don't know why um then the actual extinction rebellion twitter is Okay, so I'm sure we can all agree that that was just too painful. The gales just became too much. So I'm just gonna give you the plugs on my own right here, right now. But I just thought K saying HTTP, etc. was just too hilarious to cut out. So here are the plugs. You can find Extinction Rebellion on Twitter at ExtinctionR. They're also on Facebook and Instagram. They're basically all over everywhere. They're really bloody good at social media and they're a really big deal. You can also go to their main website, which is, she is correct, HTTP, etc. But all you really need to remember is that it's at rebellion.earth. You can find out loads of information and also find out how to get involved yourself. I promise you, it is worth it. As for Kay's project, Culture Declares Emergency, you can find them at Culture Declares. They have a website, culturedeclares.org, where you can find all the information you might need about what it means to declare climate and ecological emergency as an artist or cultural practitioner. As for us, I'm sure you've heard this before, but we are on Twitter at DiversifyPod. We are on Instagram at DiversifyPodcast. You can find Kate on Twitter and Instagram at KateLoisElliott two L's, two T's. And you can find me somewhere bouncing around online, probably being gobby and having lots of left-wing opinions. Please spread the news of Extinction Rebellion and Diversify Podcast. We're just trying to get stories out there that need to be told. But finally, we're going to take you back to Kay, who talks a little bit about what life is looking like in the future for her and Culture Declares. Plus, make sure you stay till after the credits to hear Kate's wonderful tones reading out Dear Mr. Walnut Tree, which was part of Letters to the Earth. Trust me, it's adorable. It's totally worth waiting for. So where I'm at now, post-rebellion phase one, because there will be a rebellion phase two, I'm actually making quite different art than what I've previously made. I'm making work in response to climate emergency with communities that in the UK are to be affected by such climate emergency. So, for example, working with communities on the southwest coast who are already vulnerable to storms and sea level rise. And with sea level rise, you get increased wave heights, which only increases the damage that's caused. And so I'm working with communities that may not be around in the midterm future. And that's you know, fascinating and humbling and eye-opening to work with real people and real stories within the frame of this very real emergency. Um, It's been one hell of a ride going through the many processes that are involved in opening yourself up to this crisis and then taking part in activism to fight this crisis non-violently. And so I'm seeing how else I want to express myself through the theatre that I make. Something that I see very important right now is asking the question how culture responds to the emergency we're in and how culture might need to reimagine itself 
you know, so much of our culture is actually stuff that we consume, right? And I think that some of the models in which we make that culture are questionable, that we really need to look at closely. And I think it's also time to really ask the question, what is the role of culture now? What are the stories that we have to tell now that will really help us through this process? So all of that work is coming through Culture Declares Emergency, which I co-founded with others, and we are continuing to engage and mobilise and offer space for those that identify as artists or that work in artistic or cultural organisations. So that's an ongoing project as well. We're also seeing what future life there might be to Letters to the Earth. That was an incredible campaign that was led within Culture Declares that also fed into Rebellion. We're looking at if there's anything that can be done with that body of work now as well and to keep that alive in the culture as well and for people to use them in the political and artistic space if there is that desire still. And so I'm going to give Kate one of those letters that she can read out that was given to us by... A young boy. Dear Mr. Walnut Tree, I would like to apologise on behalf of mankind for ruining your beautiful earth. I would also like to thank you for holding strong and even managing to hold my weight year after year. Thank you for being such an easy to climb tree. And thank you for being there whenever I've needed you. I would also like to say sorry on behalf of my dad for leaning the old fence on your trunk. I hope you don't mind me swinging on you all the time. I'm also sorry for carving my initials at the very top of you with my penknife. I shan't do it again. I promise. <laughs> 